Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Level Up, where we discuss the most current and relevant best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to truly level up your pharmacy career and your practice. Today's podcast is brought to you by Ananda Professional, the number one pharmacist-recommended CBD brand. And now, get ready to level up. David, welcome to Level Up. I am so excited to have you here. This is actually my first Level Up recording. So Jen did the first two, then Jake did the third one. So this is my first. I'm excited to have you. It's an honor to have you on our platform. Why don't you just go ahead and share with us a little bit about your background and what your role in pharmacy is today? Okay. Well, thanks, Ashley. It's a pleasure to be here with you as well. I am a pharmacist and an attorney, and I spent most of my career on the faculty of the University of Florida, although I retired from that position and then accepted a part-time teaching job online at the University of Wyoming. That's where I currently am. And in addition to that, I create some continuing education courses for CE Impact, and I'm really excited to be able to continue to try to help pharmacists do the best they can to comply with regulations and not get in trouble. Yeah. Everyone needs a best friend attorney. That's my opinion. <laughs> Every expert needs someone like you in their life. So share with us a little bit about what your role looks like as an attorney in the field of practice of pharmacy. Okay. Well, there are a lot, unfortunately, of opportunities for non-compliance with regulations. Opioids, for example, presents an opportunity to not comply with regulations because we are the providers of medication. We are not the deniers of medication. Pharmacists aren't trained to tell people you can't have your medicine. Unfortunately, sometimes pharmacists get duped into providing opioids to people who shouldn't have them. Right. So one aspect of what I do is I try to show how it is to identify the risk that a person who's receiving an opioid might not be an appropriate recipient of it. While at the same time, we want to make sure everybody who needs their medicine gets it. Right. So when you, when do you think your partnership with a pharmacist comes in for better or for worse? Hopefully my partnership with a pharmacist isn't after yeah. there's been some sort of accusation of regulatory violation. But what I try to do is help pharmacists and pharmacies set up regulatory compliance systems so that following the law, complying with the regulations is just a part of their professional being. So they don't have to think all the time, what is the law? How do I comply? Yeah. It's just a natural thing that happens within the ordinary course of events in their professional practice. Right. So there are so many different topics we can focus on today. I mean, when you are a practicing pharmacist, you are just so open to like you, I like how you called it opportunities. Hmm. <laughs> uh, opportunity sounds like an optimistic and a positive word to me, but opportunities really in this sense means open to liability and open to opportunities to unfortunately position yourself in a place where you can be open to um, patient harm, I guess you can say, or patient neglect or patient opportunity for that patient to get not the best meds at the right time, I guess. Yeah. We, we actually call it risk management. Risk management. That's the better word. That's what I was and, going for. Yeah. Risk management is the field of regulatory compliance where we're reducing risks to ourselves, to our practice site, 
to our patients, to the prescribers. Yeah. We reduce we reduce risks to the prescribers because as we well know in pharmacy, they're humans and they make mistakes. And our responsibility is to detect and rectify the errors that they make. So within the system, we have this risk management responsibility. Now, that is not a risk elimination responsibility. Right. We call it risk management because we realize the only way for patients to benefit from medications is to accept some risk of right. adverse effect, but it has to be an informed risk. It has to be a measured risk. It right. has to be a reasonable risk. So that's what I do is I help pharmacists avoid unreasonable risks of liability, but not to avoid every risk. The only way to avoid every risk, to prevent every risk, is to have no medications. Exactly. And exactly. obviously, there are no benefits. <laughs> right. So it's a matter of risk versus benefit. Right. I Yeah, you, prefer, you say that perfectly well. So today, our focus is going to be about pharmacists in charge, the PICs. And how did we arrive to the topic of PIC? There's so many different categories that we can talk about as it relates to legalities, statutes, board of pharmacy, so many different risk management that you were just referring to. But today our focus is as pharmacists in charge. So can you just explain to me about what exactly is a pharmacist in charge? And then where, you know, why are we focusing on that right now? Okay, by definition, the pharmacist in charge is the person who is responsible for regulatory compliance at each pharmacy practice site, for knowing what the laws are, for establishing systems for compliance with those laws, and for accepting responsibility when there are violations of the law. It's important in management theory to have a single person responsible for what happens at a business, at mm -hmm. a professional practice site. Mm -hmm. If you say, oh, well, everybody's responsible for yeah. regulatory compliance and nobody is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a single person who is responsible for regulatory com compliance to whom the Board of Pharmacy can come when something unfortunately has been done in a way it should not have been. And the Board of Pharmacy will say, explain this to us. We need to know, did you lack the resources? Did you lack the skills? What is it at your pharmacy practice site that led to this unfortunate event? Because we want to work with you. The PIC works with the Board of Pharmacy, representing mm -hmm. the pharmacy practice site on behalf of the pharmacy profession and on behalf of the public that they serve. Sure. So they need to figure out what is it that has to be done. And if you have to go to the non-pharmacist managers, the non-pharmacist owners saying, I need more resources, things have to change here. And this is the PIC who has to accept that responsibility and go acquire those necessary but lacking resources. I don't know what it might be. Maybe there are too many distractions in the mm -hmm. pharmacy and there's a physical layout that needs to be changed. Or maybe the personnel haven't been trained adequately. The technicians aren't adequately trained or whatever it is that needs to happen. The Board of Pharmacy wants to know, what are you doing as PIC? to make sure that these things are done so that the public is protected from the potential harm that can be, the risk of which that can be reduced right. through your actions. So depending upon the state that the pharmacist is a PIC in, does the definition of a PIC mod shift between state to state? It does. Oh, well, okay. 
the definition of a PIC will shift from state to state. And usually what you have in each state is a list of duties of the pharmacist in charge. The basic idea is the same from state to state, yeah. and that is responsible for legal compliance at that pharmacy practice site. But the list of activities, the things that PICs must do, which, boy, I'll tell you, is extensive mm -hmm. and unfortunately has gone unread by many PICs right. who are told to their surprise, guess what? You didn't do what you were supposed to be doing. And the PIC says, well, gosh, nobody told me that. Right, right. Yeah. And that's my job. Mm. My job is to tell them, here's what you're supposed to be doing, because I don't want them to be surprised. And that's why working with CE Impact, I said, we've got to do something to empower PICs to be what it is that they're expected to be so that they can comply and their practice site won't get in trouble and they won't get in trouble. We yeah. want to protect them. And they don't want the carpet to get pulled right underneath them when they're supposed to know something. That what? That's right. We want right. to have them on a protected island of security so For that sure. they know what they're supposed to be doing. There are no super PICs. I mean, there you don't have to be superhuman to do this job. You just have to do your best. And unfortunately, Ashley, in some states, we've had some recent cases, legal cases, in which PICs have been blissfully unaware hmm. of illegal activity at their pharmacy. In the cases we've had recently, it was illegal activity by pharmacy technicians. And the PICs are doing a marvelous job of patient care. Yeah. They are screening prescriptions and they're consulting with prescribers and they're educating patients and doing everything that they've been taught to do and doing it extremely well, yet they have been unaware of this criminal activity that's been going on. And unfortunately, the Board of Pharmacy says that's a problem. It's not enough to be a good pharmacist. You have to also be a good PIC. Mm -hmm. And in two of those cases we've had recently, the Board of Pharmacy has decided to revoke the PIC's pharmacy license, not just saying you can't be a PIC anymore. They said you can't be a pharmacist anymore because you didn't do what was expected of you. And the PICs have said, well, wait a minute. I, I didn't participate in that. I, I didn't have anything to do with it. I, I was completely unaware of it. It was hidden from me. And the yeah. Board of Pharmacy says, yeah, that's the problem. Right. That, you shouldn't have let that happen. You should have established a system of oversight so that while you're doing all these wonderful things, taking care of patients, this illegal activity can't happen. What I'm hearing you say is ignorance is not bliss. No. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you, you, you have to. You, that's not an excuse. Unfortunately, I think there are many of us who come in a pharmacy with rose-colored glasses and we see all this value that we can bring Mm -hmm. to pharmaceutical products and pharmaceutical services. And we're right to do that. Sure. We, we don't think, oh, but there is all this adverse activity that is not in the patient's best interest or the public's best interest. We don't really recognize that. 
and we don't do what we need to do in order to establish the systematic approach to preventing it from happening. Sure. So I remember when I was graduating pharmacy school, there were jobs that when you graduated, you could walk into a PIC job. And not that that was the most prevalent role, but it was a job that was out there. And I remember thinking to myself, that's just a little, I'm a little scared of that because of the liability that that carries. And I don't exactly know the lay of the land as, as a practicing pharmacist yet. So why would I take a role on like that? But I could see how people who are interested in management and who are interested in leadership and who are excited about, maybe there's a, po- a bonus that comes along with it. Maybe a sign-on bonus or something. Maybe there's a, a pay perk, but what are the benefits of being a PIC? I mean, there's so much, li- what I'm hearing is the liability and the risks that are associated with having a, everyone needs a PIC. So it, it's a need, obviously we can't function without them, but what I'm hearing is kind of scary. Well, first of all, what I need to say is to all PICs have accepted that role. Thank you very much for doing that. We appreciate it. You're the ones who are helping us as a profession maintain the respect that we have from the public. We are highly respected and we deserve that respect. And one reason we have it is because of you, the PIC, who has agreed to accept this difficult job. Just because something's hard doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. Don't avoid doing something simply because it's it's difficult. And that does happen. We are seeing at the University of Wyoming, some of our recent graduates who weeks before graduated from pharmacy school, they passed MPJE, they passed NAPLEX, and they step right into a pharmacy practice situation that they are fully well-trained for. And then they are told, oh, by the way, You're the pharmacist in charge. (laughs) What they need to do is train themselves Mm -hmm. to be that person in that role. And we haven't done that effectively in schools of pharmacy yet. We need to. So this is where I come in, or this is what I think is exciting about what I do. One of the things with CE Impact is to create this PIC boot camp. Mm -hmm. It's uh, comprehensive. You wouldn't want to practice pharmacy without going to pharmacy school. So don't become the PIC without educating yourself, preparing yourself, acquiring the skills necessary to do that job well also. It's an important job. Don't shy away from it. And thank you for doing it. We need you to do it. But do it in a way that reflects some expertise that you've acquired outside of pharmacy school. What are some of the things that you educate these PICs on specifically before they step into the role or even, you know, say they accepted the position and they're in the position, what would be, you know, your top three things that you can recommend that they are aware of as the pharmacist in charge? Okay. First of all, we have created in our course, a checklist a ready for practice checklist. It's modeled after what the pilots use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before a commercial airliner takes off, the pilots sit in their seats and they go through a checklist to make sure that everything that's necessary for a successful flight, a safe flight is, has been done, has been checked. So we have, didn't take more than two or three minutes 
to go through a checklist, a ready for practice checklist to make sure that you have sufficient equipment, sufficient supplies, sufficient drug product in order to do the thing that you need to do in order to meet the needs of your patients. We have a quality improvement checklist. That's a, another benefit that I have created through CE Impact. There are going to be unfortunate, disappointing events that will occur in a pharmacy. You can't always be perfect. What you can do always is evaluate those events and ask yourself, ask yourselves as a group, what is it that led to this happening? And you can't just say, oh, well, there were too many distractions. You have to say, well, why were there too many distractions in order to get this right? Let's figure out the root cause. And that's a methodic activity that has to happen. And the PIC has to coordinate that. So that's number two. That's the mm -hmm. second thing. Number three, I think, is if there is some sort of activity with a patient that has been a disappointment to them in some way, they've received the wrong medication, or there has been some sort of altercation between a technician and a patient for some reason, that has to be addressed by the PIC effectively because that is something that the patient is going to inform the Board of Pharmacy about right. if it isn't effectively managed. And that's the last thing we want. We don't want the Board of Pharmacy to hear about this. In fact, what we would like the Board of Pharmacy to think when they hear the name of your pharmacy is, well, that's a new name to me. I've never heard of them before. That's great. <laughs> you want to be the anonymous pharmacy to the Board of Pharmacy because the <laughs> ones that they hear about, the ones they remember, are the ones about which a lot of complaints have been made. You want right. any complaints. So right. manage it effectively. Yeah, I mean, to me, these tips that you just gave are equally as important as the clinical responsibility of a pharmacist. And what I'm hearing is if you're not proactive, then you're going to be reactive. And in the sense of the, the, the two cases that you were talking about, I think we're in California, the narcotics diversion by the technician. What do you think the biggest learning experiences from those pharmacists? Obviously, they are no longer licensed, but that's a, I mean, those people lost their careers. They lost their professions. They lost their jobs. I mean, obviously they lost their income. So what do you think the biggest learning lessons from those two experiences have been? Well, you can't just assume that everyone who practices at your site with you is as well-intentioned as mm -hmm. you are. Yeah. And unfortunately, and I don't know how to say this, but you have to at some times risk appearing a bit disagreeable by challenging people when something happens that doesn't seem quite right to you, rather than saying, oh, I don't want to offend that technician by asking, what is it that you're putting in the backpack that you brought into the pharmacy today? I don't want to be offensive. You have to go ahead and risk appearing a bit offensive and perhaps even a bit accusatory or by assertive. saying, what is that that you're putting in your backpack? I right. need to see that if I may please, because I need to make sure that you're authorized to have that. And if it turns out to be their corned beef sandwich, 
then that's <laughs> fine. That's perfectly fine. But you we have don't really every eat right. corned beef sandwiches here out in California. Just to okay. be clear, well, <laughs> turkey sandwiches, avocado sandwiches. Maybe. If <laughs> if it happens to be brie and <laughs> some uh, some fancy kind of cracker, then there you go. There you go. Fine. There you go. There you go. Thank you for clarifying. Um, no, but I, I think holistically, the reason why. Amongst, amongst many reasons why we're talking about this today with David is we are really focusing holistically on the pharmacist, not just clinical, not just the evidence-based medicine, although that is the obviously the foundation of our career, of our profession. What is also important is that we have the tools, pharmacists have the tools like, uh, like what you're talking about to be proactive, assertive, communicative, and also that building that trust relationship with the people that you're working with, right? Because we can't function without technicians. So it's that fine line of being able to communicate, hey, what's what's that in your backpack versus being overly aggressive and accusatory? Yeah, every moment is a teaching moment in pharmacy. So every time something happens, and there's a discussion of it, it's an opportunity for technicians to teach the pharmacists right. what it is that's happening that they're aware of, and for the pharmacists to teach the technicians, and as a group, for there to be a learning experience. The person who catalyzes that learning is the PIC. The person who's responsible for making sure that it happens is the PIC. Yeah, super helpful. So you know, in summary, we're talking about the pharmacist in charge specifically because allegations and these cases have been really relevant to pharmacy practice today. And just to be clear, this isn't just an outpatient ambulatory community pharmacy issue. PICs exist in inpatient, in specialty pharmacy, in in many different settings, ambulatory pharmacy, I'm assuming anywhere that drugs are procured or dispensed. Well, they do. They sometimes call it something else. For example, in Florida, where I was for 25 years, it's a prescription department manager is the phrase used for this role in a outpatient setting. And consultant of record is the phrase used to describe PIC. Hmm. So in Florida, there's no such thing as a pharmacist in charge. Okay. Many other states use synonymous phrases to describe that role, but you are right. Whether it is in an ambulatory community setting or an inpatient hospital setting, there's one person in the hospital, usually it's the director of pharmacy yeah. who mm -hmm. has that role and they are responsible for regulatory compliance. And if there is some sort of systematic non-compliance that poses a threat to the public health, that isn't being managed in an effective way. And whoever it is is responsible just isn't paying attention. The, hey, I didn't know anything about it, answer isn't going to work. Right. What would you say some of the red flags that you've seen throughout your experiences in, in these litigations have been and for the PICs? Well, sexual harassment in mm. a pharmacy, the PIC ignores sexual harassment, fraudulent claim submission, where a generic is dispensed and a claim is filed 
for a brand name product, breach of confidentiality, yeah. where patient privacy is not respected by pharmacy staff. Now, having said all of that, it's the opioids that are causing the most problems right now in terms of regulatory compliance. These are extremely valuable drugs in a uh, illicit use circumstance. They're being diverted from pharmacies. I think some people are accepting jobs at pharmacies for the specific purpose of diverting controlled substances. And if the pharmacist in charge doesn't establish a systematic approach to oversight of controlled substance receiving, shelving, stocking, and distribution, then there are, it's an open invitation to divert controlled substances. For sure. Have you ever done any studies on, this is kind of far-fetched, but I'm just really curious. Have you ever looked at any studies about, because this is such a big topic right now of pharmacy burnout and pharmacy, just the workforce of, you know, coming out of COVID, coming out of the pandemic, and if a pharmacist is in a burnout situation or an unhappy situation at their job, but they're also a PIC or they're also responsible, is there, have you seen any correlation between litigations and those two? I haven't. Yeah. But we have a lot yet to learn about the effects of the global pandemic on pharmacy litigation. We're only beginning to see that right now and it's going to be substantial and i just have this this may be what you're getting at i have this sort of sinking feeling that as pharmacists become overwhelmed with responsibilities overwhelmed with duties they're going to prioritize their clinical responsibilities over their regulatory compliance responsibilities and i can understand that that, that's why people go to pharmacy school, is to become clinicians, to become patient care providers, to become dispensers of medications rather than deniers of medications. I get that. Right. This equally is important, yet somewhat difficult to acknowledge and easy to set aside, given a burnout situation, responsibility of regulatory compliance, might unfortunately go by the wayside. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. But it may. We'll know that in another five or six years. You think coming out of the pandemic? Yeah. What we're already starting to see, we've learned a lot from the pandemic. I mean, but I mean, we've basically what we have is now this is going a little far afield, but what we have is a rich body of litigation involving patient demands that pharmacists dispense ivermectin and or hydroxychloroquine. And consistently, the courts have sided with the pharmacists who, for evidence-based reasons, have said, I refuse to fill your prescription for either hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin to prevent or treat COVID-19, despite the fact that you've found a doctor online somewhere who Mm. will prescribe this for you. I refuse to fill it. And this is very different from refusing to fill birth control, 
or refusing to fill some other morally problematic. This is based on scientific evidence. Sure. What the courts have explained as their rationale for supporting pharmacists in these refusals is applicable to many, many, many drugs wow. and many other circumstances where physicians might prescribe a drug that is either not going to help and probably going to harm the patient and pharmacists refuse to provide it. So this is just one of many aspects of COVID-19 that has general applicability that we wouldn't really have teased out in the rich, richness we now have, but for the pandemic. That's yeah, not, maybe. I'm not trying to say that's something good about the pandemic. That's, there's nothing no. good about the pandemic. No, but we have, yeah. yeah. You're definitely not wrong there. Okay. So for the purposes of yeah, this keeping us focused, because I feel yeah. like we, I could just see okay. regulatory stuff and litigation. I, I find this stuff to be so fascinating, but that's, you know, our other podcast, Jake, they, he talks about all the clinical stuff and this is more yeah. of a open-ended free podcast. So we could go, we could get crazy here, but for the purposes of the PIC focus, you know, I think it's just really important that pharmacists are aware, especially before you're stepping into a PIC role, that there are resources and there are responsibilities that they must be aware of before they take on that. They, 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 ignorance is not bliss, like we said before. So it, in your position, you serving as the expert, I see you as kind of like the liaison between these regulatory bodies, the board of pharmacy and the pharmacists who are out there actually in, in practice setting and practice taking care of patients. So how would someone who is about to step into a PIC, how would they get in touch with you? And what do you think that they need to do as soon as they accept a position or a role like this? Well, please do accept the role as PIC because we need good pharmacists to be good PICs. You can't mm -hmm. be a good PIC unless you're a good pharmacist. So please okay. accept that role. Let us help you. Let me help you. Let CE Impact help you. You can contact me through CE Impact. That's the way to do it. You can contact me through team at ceimpact.com. What I'm going to suggest is being a good PIC isn't automatic. Right. It requires some effort. There is some return on an investment that you make. I think it'll be a happy return. If you make the investment in learning how to establish a regulatory compliance system so that you're meeting responsibilities of the PIC, then return is going to be a happy one for you because a pharmacy practice site that is compliant with regulations is a pharmacy practice site that promotes good outcomes therapeutically for their patients. So it all works hand in hand. That's why I'm happy to be working with CE Impact to address this problem that we've identified and this chance that we have to make the role of PIC a safer one for everyone. For sure, including the patients. Including the patient, including the prescriber, including the practice site including the corporate pharmacy, you may, they want this. The pharmacy corporation that may be employing pharmacists, whether it is a large medical center or a chain pharmacy or a nursing home or whatever it is 
that may be employing pharmacists, they want regulatory compliance. So in order to meet their needs, a PIC can become knowledgeable of the process through which compliance can be achieved. And it helps patients, it helps prescribers, it helps the employers, and it helps everyone who works at the pharmacy practice site avoid what is a humiliating experience. For sure. No, I, I can appreciate that. David, super fun talking. I, I could talk about this stuff forever. Okay. I know this this is not the sexy, glamorous part of pharmacy. I mean, just full transparency. This is kind of like the stuff that they that you know that they kind of put into pharmacy school and they're like, you have to take this class. You got to just go through it. This isn't the the glamorous part, but it's it is essential. And I think because of your expertise, pharmacists should feel more prepared and more confident in their practice setting, especially as PICs. So I, I, you say you appreciate the PICs, but David, I appreciate you just as much as you appreciate the, you appreciate the PICs. I think without your expertise, you know, we, we as clinicians are open up to a lot of risk. So thanks for being with us. You have created stellar content for for not only our listeners, such for, for today's podcast, but also in our pharmacist by design membership, our pharmacist boot camp, our pharmacist in charge boot camp, and all of our programming that we've we've partnered with you on. So thank you so much for your expertise and thanks for your time today. Thanks, Ashley. I've enjoyed it also. Jen here. You can find all of our podcasts on your favorite podcast player by searching CE Impact. Click follow so you don't miss any episodes of Level Up, Game Changers, or Precept to Practice. Be sure to check the show notes for links you heard about during this episode. You can also find our education at ceimpact.com. When you join by design, you'll have access to all of our great content. And last, don't forget to join the CBD Academy on the CE Impact app. Until next week, keep learning, keep listening, and keep leveling up your career and your practice.